Following is a class given by His Holiness Jaya Patakaswami Maharaj on November 2nd, 1988 at New Taliban Farm in Carrier, Mississippi, USA. The class begins with a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, 9th Canto, Chapter 4, Verse 27. gave up all attachment to household affairs, wives, children, friends, and relatives to the best of powerful elephants, to beautiful chariots, cars, horses, and inexhaustible jewels, and to ornaments, garments, and inexhaustible treasuries. He gave up attachments to all of them, regarding them as temporary and material. Report by Srila Prabhupada. Material possessions can be accepted as far as they can be used in devotional service. In preaching, what many things considered material are needed. A devotee should not have any attachment to such material involvement as house, wife, children, friends, and cars. And cars. Maharaj Ambarisha, for example, had all such things, but he was not attached to them. This is the effect of bhakti yoga. Bhakti paresha nupavo viraktir anyatra cha. Bhagavatam 11.242 One who is advanced in devotional service has no attachment for material things or sense enjoyment, but for preaching, to spread the glories of the Lord. He accepts such things without attachment. Anasaktasya vishoyan Everything can be used to the extent that it can be engaged in Krishna's service. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta Swami purport and translation to Canto 9, Chapter 4, Text 27 of the Srimad Bhagavatam Mahapurana in the matter of Amarisha Maharaj offended by Durvasa Muni. Translation with repetition. Maharaj Amarisha gave up all attachment. To household affairs. To household affairs. Wives. Why? Children, children, friends and relatives, friends and relatives. <coughs> to the best of powerful elephants, to the best of powerful elephants, to beautiful chariots, beautiful chariots, cars, cars, horses, horses, and inexhaustible jewels, and inexhaustible jewels, to ornaments, to ornaments, garments, garments, and inexhaustible treasuries, and inexhaustible treasuries. Gave up attachment, gave up attachment to all of them, to all of them. Regarding them as temporary. Regarding them as temporary. Material. So, it's interesting. We've heard many times about great devotees being detached from the household affairs, wives, children, friends, relatives. Not that they artificially renounce, but that they actually fix their mind and their devotional for Krishna. They don't engage. In temporary activities, thinking them a source of permanent happiness, to whatever extent it is beneficial for devotional service, they may. Of course, here, it's really interesting, especially for the uh, Americans, that uh, we can see that it mentions also beautiful chariots, cars, horses, powerful elephants. That in those days, they didn't use Ford, Chevy. Mercedes brands or Rolls Royce, they use beautiful chariots, hand carved with silver, gold, you know, beautiful horses, elephants. These were the methods of conveyance. But from this we can understand that maybe some great king or priest is very proud of his of his uh, vehicle. You know, very nicely decorated, newest design, 
Good horses. Perhaps you get a test. Go around showing off your buggy. <laughs> Everyone. But uh, it mentions here he was detached from all these things. Because in the West, you find that sometimes, you know, I mean, you can see the material world, people are very proud of their vehicle. It's a very big status symbol to have a proper vehicle. And actually the whole, some people it's like, uh, even they live in a B-town house, but if they have a nice vehicle, they feel very proud. But the point is that here, Amrish Maharaj, everything he did, whether vehicles, whether house, whether friends, family, whether whatever it might be, his own treasury, he simply took shelter of Krishna. He didn't remain attached to these things. Therefore, to whatever extent they were needed, he used them, but he wasn't attached to them. This is really being liberated while in the material world. To have, or not to have these things, but not be attached. It's actually more difficult not to have something and not be attached. If you don't have it, then it's easy to be detached in one sense. Most people, they don't have it, they're still attached, they like to have it. But for someone who renounces like a sannyasi or something, or if he doesn't have, all right, he can be detached. But if you actually have all these things, inexhaustible treasury, fancy cars, beautiful wife, you have everything, you still you're not attached. That's transcendental. He's actually liberated soul. And sannyasi, he may have renounced, he may be avoiding. That doesn't necessarily maybe uh, not fully detached from one form. He's detached by force of just renouncing. There's a but to actually be an association. Actually his attachments are there. In fact, even these attachments can be dovetailed to some extent. Maharaj was so attached to Krishna that in spite of having all his material facilities, he didn't consider that as something permanent. He wasn't infatuated by those things. He was actually attached to Krishna. That was his real focus. This is that perfection of devotional service, to actually be focused on Krishna, to be transcendental. It's not difficult if we are Krishna conscious. By being attached to Krishna, we're automatically transcendent. You see, there's two processes. One is negation and one is the positive. Prabhupada always calls the positive alternative. You can negate something, renounce it, but that doesn't, that it's also, is in relation to that particular thing, I renounce this thing. So that means that there's some relationship with that thing, that you renounced it. You still may be attached, but you're renouncing it, you become detached. And someone may renounce smoking, but they still like to smoke, but they renounce it, because they know it's bad for them. Someone may be attached to some sense gratitude, but they renounce it, because they know it's not good for them. But to actually be attached to Krishna so much that you're not attached anymore to the other things. That is liberation. Practically said Maharaj Ambarish, he was, he was, while living he was liberated. So because initially we have bad habits, we have bad attachments, we have material desires, we regulate ourselves and we keep ourselves to, away from the objects which are detrimental to our spiritual life. It doesn't mean that we fully don't have any attachment or attraction yet, but that we're trying to transcend that. The process of transcending is to actually become attached to Krishna. When we're fully attached to Krishna, we're automatically detached from life, completely, naturally. So Maharaj Amras has achieved this state. So if he's as good as one of the Mahajanas, because on his great stature and devotional service. How he manifested, it's not that all right, he was detached. Like I remember one time a gentleman in India, he was eating about, you know, he was eating a whole big case of ice cream. And then uh, he, he just voluntarily said, I'm not attached. While I'm eating, I'm just thinking that I'm not attached to it. I'm just totally, I'm not eating, I'm just, uh, so he just gave some mental speculation. So, the situation is not that we just make some mental adjustment. You need to actually become attached to Krishna. We need to be so attached that Krishna, if he's pleased, we're pleased. If Krishna is displeased, we're unhappy. The devotee is completely connected with Krishna. In material life, if our mind is frustrated, we are unhappy. If our senses are not 
uh, gratifying or unhappy or angry. Going between uh, meditating on the object of the senses, attachment, then lust, then anger, when we don't get it, awake, then illusion, then fall down. So the nature of the mind is to be very attached. When we're in the attached state, then what means we're suffer like anything because there's always this situation of hankering, lamentation, uh, hankering, fear, and lamentation. When we have something, when we, when we don't have it, we are hankering for it. We get attached to it, we lust for it, we're greedy for it. We don't get it, we're angry. We get illusion, we fall down. When we have something that we're very attached to, we're always afraid. If we think someone's trying to take it away from us, if there's some, then we get angry at that person or thing. And we get from anger, comes illusion, we fall down like this. When we lose something, then we're again, we're, because we're already attached, we have a lot of desire for that. We again, we become angry, illusion, and we fall down. So all the three levels, hankering, fearing, and lamentation, are causing us this ultimately to fall down from the spiritual platform. As soon as we desire material satisfaction, then we're in trouble. Because the syndrome begins. It's a natural progression. As soon as we're attached to Krishna, we're liberated. We're free from this. Therefore the devotee tries to remain detached from material things and by chanting, by hearing, by reading, by associating with the devotees, tries to allow the natural law of Krishna to manifest. Praise to Nishai Gaur for their mercy. What will I have? Feel love for you. Nishai Gaur Chaitanya prayed in the Shikshastra. So please fix me as a spot, a, a speck of dust at your lotus feet. Then Lord Chaitanya is doing separation. One moment is more than 12 years. This is the process. When we actually attach to Krishna, we'll be crying for Krishna. When we're attached to some physical or mental material thing, when we don't get it, we feel frustrated, we may cry. There are little children, we throw temper tantrums because we get very attached. When Lord Chaitanya was a little baby, he was playing in that courtyard of his house. And uh, Mother Sachi told him, forget what he was doing, he was doing something, and then Mother Sachi told him, that's all right, you just uh, play there. I'll give you whatever you want. Just be quiet until I come. I'm cooking your food. But she said, I'll give you whatever you want. He's a little baby. So then, Mother said she came and then he started saying, saying, started crying and saying, give me the moon. I want the moon. Take the moon from the sky, give it to me. She said, how can I give you the moon? You're such a foolish boy. You can't. How do you expect that? Yeah, you bother me! You give me whatever I want! Give me the moon! I want the moon! <laughs> <laughs> Anyone take the moon and give it? Oh, you promised you gave you more money to give you more! <laughs> so then uh, she picked him up and said, What do you want that moon for? It's got spots on its face. Your face is more brilliant than millions of moons. And she started kissing Lord Chaitanya's baby face. Brilliant. More brilliant than millions of moons. See Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So little children, they, they may sometimes want something that is impossible for their father to or mother to give. So then, the frustrations of life increase as we grow and we realize our limitations. So we start to readjust our, our goals for things that we hope we could achieve. When we don't get it, the same syndromes can occur. Krishna consciousness is actually that we realign our desires. You know the story Prabhupada said about the boatman in the night in the marriage party, how he rode the whole night in the morning and the fog cleared, they saw they were in the same place. 
because he never pulled out the anchor. So then uh, the point is that why? What is the anchor? That that person that we still desiring material things. We not really fixed our desires in Krishna. Therefore, in spite of making an external effort, we don't make the full progress in Krishna consciousness. So, therefore, this is very important that we understand anashaktasya vishoyar yatarham upayunjata. Anashaktasya means that we're not attached to what? Vishoyar, sense gratification. At the same time, it yatarham, aham means to eat. In other words, also to enjoy. Yata means appropriate or in moderation. Upayunjata. Yukta, the same as Yukta Vairagya is, in the service of Krishna. We accept, without being attached to enjoy sense gratification, we accept whatever amount of material situation is needed which we can engage in Krishna's service. We know how difficult it is if we have more facilities. Someone happens to say, well, I need to have the TV to watch the evening news. Well, tonight there's a special movie and it might be a little... We will use it my service. Before we know it, I guess that we have it. We start turning on the TV. When it's happening, when it's some other stupid show. So, it's it's actually yoga to be able to have something and only use it in Krishna consciousness. Just like Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, one time he happened to eat a mango, which was meant to be offered to Bhakti Vinod Thakur's deity. It wasn't offered though, it was a boga. Bhakti Vinod Thakur chastised him very strongly that you should never eat unoffered food. This is our system for eating. We don't eat bishoy, we don't eat unoffered food. Especially when we're in the temple, we eat the good deities prashana. Sometime when traveling for emergency, we eat some vegetarian thing. Although it's even better to take the prashad with us as far as possible. Never eat something that is intended for the deity for sure, and we try to avoid eating anything that's not offered. So Bhaktivinoda instructed this to Bhakti Siddhanta when he was a small boy, only six years old. He took it so seriously that I had offended the deities, I had eaten the deities often, before I was offered, that he vowed never to eat mango his whole life. And even when he was 40, 50, you know, 40 years old, he wouldn't eat mango. Even though he loved mango. He was so strict in his vow and his determination. And in Bengal, in India, oof, mangoes are so sweet, so nice fruit. It's a nice fruit. Anyway, the point is that just like when we take prasad, we don't eat boga, we don't eat anak, we want to eat food offered to the deity. That's called prasad. Similarly, everything we do, we need to do it upayunjita, properly in the service of Krishna. Yadaha in an appropriate quantity. And this way one remains anashakta vishoya, unattached to sense gratification. Bhakti yoga is more difficult in the sense that one has to always be controlled. And if you just give everything up and live in the forest, well, that's very physically austere to do. But if someone is austere not to do it, well, then maybe there's not so much sense gratification. Then there's a false ego they have to contain. Actually, that process of mystic yoga is uh, explained much more austere, much more difficult, in, uh, filled with difficulties in a, in a more gross sense. And it's not so purifying to the mind. The false ego and other things are more easily maintained while one is in uh, this mystic yoga process. At the same time, bhakti yoga is easily performed in terms of not a great austerity, it's not, it's not very difficult to perform in terms of the actual activities. They're quite pleasant, quite natural. But it's difficult in the sense that it requires total sincerity. It requires you have to control the mind. You have to control the sense and observe moderation. Observe sense control. Without, uh, without doing that, then one will be in Vishoya. Vishaya means 
simply hankering for the satisfaction of the sense. Lochandas Thakur Nisa Nipritishaya Acharya Serase Mojiya Noke Bolo Hari Hari Give up Vishaya. Give up the, the other very important instruction here. One who is advanced in devotional service has no attachment for material things for sense enjoyment, but for preaching to spread the glories of the Lord. He accepts such things without attachment. For preaching we can accept even wonderful material things. Prabhupada accepted the Bhakti Dr. Manor from George Harrison, even if it's a big expensive property, maybe that time worth is a million dollars or so, more or less. Because anybody he offers it to Krishna as his temple. Actually the devotee lifestyle doesn't change. Even Prabhupada was a multi-millionaire by material estimation. Indians would sometimes come to see Prabhupada and say, can you show me a miracle? He said, you want to see a miracle? I went to America with $40. Now I have temples and properties all over the world with $40 million in a few years. Is that a miracle? Yes. Look at these people in the Western countries. They didn't know about Krishna. Now they're chanting and dancing in ecstasy. Hare Krishna. Is that a miracle? Yes. What is it showing a Rasgula? compared to that. Okay, this is a bigger miracle. So, there are people who can do stuff. Even some people in India, they are supposed to be able to bring out seeker watches and things. And then one time a musician, he wanted to see one of his magic yogis. And so the magic yogi pulled out an orange from his pocket and handed it. But then the magician, he didn't tell he was a magician. He went like this. He gave him a rasgula. He handed him an apple. He handed him a tomato. <laughs> the guy got uptight. Who are you? He says, Who am I? I am Sirkar, the musician. <laughs> but at least I can say who I am, that I'm doing magic. But you're doing the same thing and you're saying you're an avatar. Get out of here! So the Brahma wasn't interested in showing some cheap son. He wanted to actually do anything in Krishna's preaching. This is actually not that the Guru needs to have 150 world voices or something like that for showing up <coughs> attached to his cars, but to actually simply use everything for Krishna. Because of Prabhupada's <coughs> pure devotion, therefore the whole Krishna conscious movement is based in the proper foundation. If we simply follow and show Prabhupada's footsteps, We'll be following in the footsteps of great souls like Amrish Maharaj and everyone. There's only Maya can catch it, even someone may be attached to followers in such a way that if the followers, to impress the followers with newer and newer things, you go on speculating. In the end, you totally offer the Guru Parampara in the name of preaching, but it's actually not pre it's preaching. In the name of preaching, they're to become attached to just getting a lot of followers. Like Prabhupada said, what is the use of having many chief followers, or even fanatical followers for that matter, if they're not free devotees? It's better to have one moon than have millions of stars. We want devotees who are situated pure devotional service. There are many great leaders in the world, there are many followers. Now the presidential candidates are going around wherever they go, their followers are chanting their names and jai, whatever, you know, victory. All words, right? <laughs> Blowing horns, throwing balloons in the air, you know. There are so many followers. And whoever loses, they'll forget about him after a while. Whoever wins, and he'll have the victory. It's not something like that. There were some kind of material followers. We're all following Krishna. And we conclude by a media of the Guru Parampara. And the pure devotee, he wants that people are connected with Krishna, attached to preaching the glories of Krishna. For that purpose, he takes responsibility of followers to guide them how to serve Krishna. But if the followers, if they don't want Krishna, what is the use of such following? They're burdened. They're on the manura of the material mind. So, Amrish, he wasn't attached to even his followers, the whole kingdom, friends, everything. He was attached to Krishna, so he would engage his friends, he would engage his family, engage the kingdom, he would engage everything he had in Krishna's service. To that extent, he used them. Because his attachment was more to Krishna 
and to these things, therefore, he was actually liberated. Draupadi, who was very soft-hearted, a natural mother, when her children were killed by the immediate sinful activity of uh, Aswatthama, naturally she was horrified, she was shocked, she was in grief to see her sleeping children like that decapitated. Who wouldn't be? At the same time, after everything was over, after performing all the final rites and everything, and after the initial emotional trauma, then she went and surrendered to Krishna and said, whatever happened, but I'm still simply, completely surrendered to you. Whatever will please you, that's all I want. I mean, sometimes a devotee has a little difficulty in their devotional service. If someone looks at it the wrong way, or criticizes them a little bit, or, you know, maybe they, they borrow a piece of cloth without telling them, and uh, they feel frustrated, or any little thing, you know, then that's enough to put them on a so-called, you know, frustrated or a bummer, whatever you want to call it, for a period of time, into a depression. Just over some little thing, <coughs> things don't exactly work out the way it was planned. And they get into the modes and they, and they don't remain attached to Krishna, they don't actually keep surrendering to Krishna. Look at Drupadi, what a, what a horrible situation, Who can, what a cause for total depression, what a cause for total frustration. But still, in spite of a real difficulty, not just some superficial little push on the ego, but some, a real horrible loss to the whole family. Still, she was completely determined to go on with her devotion and service. The devotees are very compassionate, sensitive people. It's not that even why we say they're not attached, it doesn't mean that they're impersonal, that they don't deal with their friends and family in a friendly and a compassionate way, in a sensitive way. But that their attachment to Krishna is so great that for Krishna and Akshara, when it comes to the ultimate point, they're not attached. They remain more attached to Krishna, they can transcend. The attachment to Krishna carries them over all the other attachments, even in that great trust. So we have to practice that, even with the little things. If, if, if we're attached and we get frustrated and forget about Krishna, even over small things, how are we going to survive big trials? How are we going to ultimately, when we have to leave this body, which is, we become so attached to this body, we identify with, with it so strongly, when we have to give it up and leave this the material world that we know, the time of death, how are we going to fix our mind on Krishna? If we have still in our mind, oh, I got to get this one back for what he or she did to me, or am I still thinking, oh, I have to have this thing to be happy, or I'm still attached to it. How are we going to fix our mind on Krishna? We know that we are not to harbor any hope that there's happiness in the material world. If we want to become fully Krishna conscious, we have to come to the realization that ultimately there's no happiness. There's no real happiness in this. The real happiness is in serving Krishna. We still think, well, maybe it didn't work for me this the last time because I didn't have enough money. If I won the lottery, it's 50 million, then I'd really be happy. Or if if I just have this thing happen, then I'll be happy. If I just change this way. <laughs> Whatever material adjustment we make, it's never going to be perfect. The material, when we come to that realization, there's nothing but the holy name in the 14 worlds. The Hare Krishna Maha Mantra is the only source of happiness, the only reality in the whole world. Everything else is like a mirage. It's temporarily there, it's not going to stay, it cannot satisfy it. It's a, a different inferior energy. We're the Prabhupada. Prabhupada did he make Prabhupada? We are the higher energy. How can this inferior material energy satisfy the higher spiritual energy? It's impossible. But by illusion that we still think that somehow I can be happy due to some material adjustment. If I look at a more and more of goodness situation, then I'll be happy. If I leave it a more and more pa passion, or if someone may think, oh, if I was really the more ignorance, I'll be happy. Ignorance is bliss. Whatever material situation, there's really no happiness. That's the conclusion we have to come to. So that, whichever is more favorable for our devotional service, good association, a proper situation, we, we just remain 
attached to Krishna and utilize whatever Krishna provides us for serving him. That is being liberated while in this body. But if we actually think in the back of our mind that I, I can be happy materially, there won't be any difficulties. So in this situation, I'll really be happy. Then we're in illusion. For someone's devotional service, it may be more appropriate to be, uh, to be married. For some other person, it may be more appropriate to be remain uh, as a sannyasi or brahmachari or whatever. That's a different thing. What is, for our particular nature, for our mental, sensual situation, what is more appropriate for us to serve Krishna, which ashram, which situation? But we ultimately have to give up or realize that in the material world there is no complete satisfaction. Can't get no doesn't exist here. <laughs> and if we, if we surrender to the idea that materially I can be satisfied either openly or subversively, we get wound up in the syndrome or like a mouse running on the wheel. There's no end to it. As soon as we fix our consciousness to be satisfied in serving Krishna, we can be in the material world. We can be like, a, like I said, the lotus leaf. The water doesn't get stuck on it. We can be like Amrish Maharaj. In the material we can be detached. But if we start to think, well maybe I can enjoy. This is my chance, let's go for it. It's simply frustration. A little bit of happiness and a lot of frustration. Because we're putting ourselves into lamentation, fear, hankering syndrome. Which puts us again into the attachment syndrome, which ultimately causes us to fall out of the spiritual platform. So, maybe some people just to have a better car, they figure I can't get enough by working for the temple. I have to get out and get a job and I get a better car. I get this dumpy car. Who knows, some little attachment that might even cause the devotee to give up the direct devotional service and in the end, 99% of their energy is going just for their maintenance and hardly anything goes to Krishna where they could be consciousness of full devotional service. His neighbors tried to get him attacked, so he stopped serving the Ganges. Telling him, look at your court, your whole, your clothes are ripped. Just stop giving to the Ganges for a while, buy new clothes, you'll improve your business possibilities. Reinvest. And he said, no, already cooling. <laughs> the hot weather, more breeze comes. Get a sense of humor. Look at your house, it's got a hole in, in the roof. Well, that's a little lighter. <laughs> You're totally impractical. You're crazy. Then they run around. Criticize. Of course, Kolavachya Sridhar, every night he'd be chanting Hare Krishna. He was quite happy. He said, if Krishna has given me whatever he's giving by my honest and hard labor, I accept it as his mercy. But I'm going to continue to give to Krishna. If Krishna wants me to be rich, I can be rich. He wants me to be remain poor. I'm have an honest labor, I'm working it. I'm gonna get breaks, I'll get breaks, but I'm not going to stop giving the Krishna. So Kolavacha Sridhar, at any moment he was ready to go right back to Godhead. He never took the slightest risk. So some devotees maybe like Ambarish has got inexhaustible treasury. But every day he goes and sweeps the temple floor, listens to the Bhagavatam class performs different ecology fasts, performs his devotional service, remains attached to Krishna so much that Krishna is always with him. He had one side, someone with an inexhaustible treasure, and another person that practically, he just barely gets enough to live. But both are completely attached to Krishna. When Amrish, he was born as the king, obviously he's the king, he was born as the son of the king, he was the prince. He inherited it. He now even further enhanced it after being the king because of his great piety. But it came uh, very naturally. So he didn't throw it away and said, oh, I die, I'm a devotee of Krishna, dump it all in the ocean, I'm going to live in a copa. He remained as the king, and he engaged the whole kingdom in Krishna conscious activities, performed big fasts, festivals, used his treasury to engage the people in different kinds of rituals so that they would gradually be purified. But he wasn't attached to these things. So you have the different, you see, various kinds of devotees. The point is that 
Bhaktivinoda you know, Thakur is Thakur Akhar Mokhaji. You begin, you stay in your work, you do your devotional service, you chant Hare Krishna. Don't neglect your spiritual life. What comes, the devotees accept that. They're not envious. That person has uh, something better. I should try to get back. Have What are we here for? Because the people in America, they're, they don't know about Krishna. They don't know the purpose of life. What Chaitanya wants to deliver this, they're in this Andakupa. They're in the dark world of material life. Unless somebody informs them, how will they know? Because unless Prabhupada came and informed us, how will we know about the purpose of life? How will we know about Krishna? So Prabhupada said, if you feel indebted to what I've given you, then you should repay me by telling it to others. How will the American people know that there's something other than material life? I'm sure mostly they never even thought of it. Even their concept of heaven is something material. Everything is in relation to bodily concept. I went to one uh, Christian exhibit and they showed a, a, a movie how after death all the family members go together back to the heavens and there they're all wearing white sheets and they're all together, grandfather, mother, they're all in the same material body, the same, it's just like a happy reunion, except there for some miraculous reason everyone's happy. They have no idea at all about the eternal soul. There's no idea, I mean, maybe that particular sect, it might be different from the sect. But the devotees are actually trying to give real knowledge about Krishna. Let people be attached to Krishna. That is actually what even Lord Jesus taught. He said the first commandment, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind. Islam, Muhammad, Islam means full surrender, surrender to God. So when Lord Chaitanya was preaching to the Patans, outside of Vrindavan, the Muslim gurus. He was preaching to them, uh, if you really want to follow the Quran, you should engage in the pure devotional service. This is the highest point. And they convinced them so effectively they became his disciples. They accepted that, yes, you were actually giving the absolute truth. If someone is really sincere about knowing the absolute truth, about knowing God, they accept the teachings of Lord Chaitanya. In Calcutta, there was a newspaper said they wanted to do a book review of the Chaitanya Charitamrita when it was published. So I gave them, they said they're going to have a Christian priest do the review. So I gave the Adi Lila first part and the Anti Lila fifth part, beginning and the end. The person read the two books, he declined to give the review. He can't give it. Or get an explanation why. Later we heard that it had such a heavy impact on him. He was so amazed by the philosophy that if he were to give a review, it would be completely wrong. It would go against their own. He couldn't give an honest review. He was a sincere person. Without saying, you know, without saying things that they couldn't say. The philosophy of Lord Chaitanya is so complete. It's not a contrary to anyone. It is actually fulfilling the objective of everyone. Of all philosophies, all sciences, pure sciences, the seeking for the truth of all religions. It's the perfection of religion. So we have to be attached to preaching because actually how to express this to people in a way they can understand. If there are any honest people out there, then they'll accept. It's the only thing we can hope for, that people are honest, that they want the truth. As we know that Kali Yuga Austerity, cleanliness, mercy are practically non-existent. But truthfulness is somewhat there. At least in America, they always, you know, leaders can do anything, but they always want them to tell the truth. This is what we always see in the papers. So there must be some attachment for truth. So we need to give the people the absolute truth so that they can actually achieve the real happiness in their life. We're doing the greatest welfare work. Prabhupada wanted that not only to, to give a theory, but to show practically through the farm project, the community, to build up, show in the West an alternative lifestyle, an alternative uh, spiritual way of life based upon serving Krishna, based on the simple living, high thinking, or this is a practical living or something, based upon Varnashram 
Based upon the teachings of Rupa Goswami, this was Prabhupada's intention. So, if we can uh, fulfill Prabhupada's desire, he'll be very, very pleased to certainly give us unlimited mercy. He's very concerned that what he started should be completed properly. So someone becomes attached to serving the Guru, to fulfilling the spiritual master's mission, fulfilling the desires of Srila Prabhupada. That is what's pleasing to Krishna. Not that we speculate, well, do this for Krishna, do that. We want to do what will fulfill Prabhupada's. Krishna is more pleased when we serve his devotee. So we can still serve Prabhupada. Even his grand disciples, even the followers, they can still directly serve Prabhupada by carrying out his body, by serving his instructions. So through the Guru Parampara, everyone has a direct link with Prabhupada, with Lord Chaitanya. Not only his direct disciples, but even others. Like an electrical current goes directly to them by trying to fulfill his desires. Just like the Prabhupada had so many so-called senior god-brothers who were initiated before him, who took sannyas before him, but ultimately they didn't fulfill the desires of Bhakti Siddhanta to preach in the western countries. So then he took it upon himself to carry out the order of Bhakti Siddhanta and bring the movement all over the world. Sorry to say, but if, even if Prabhupada's disciples can fulfill Prabhupada's instructions, it will come on to the grand disciples to do. But especially while the Prabhupada disciples are there, you see, we should all try our little best to fulfill Prabhupada's desires. To put Prabhupada's desire above Maya's desire. Maya gives us one idea and Prabhupada has given us many ideas. So will we put Maya or Prabhupada first in our life? That is the big test that Maya will always give us. The alternative. In America, they're very proud. The freedom to have a choice. Well, Krishna has given us that freedom. We always have the choice. We want Prabhupada or we want Maya? We want Krishna and Chaitanya or do we want Maya? And Maya is always there to give us that freedom of choice. And if we're Krishna conscious, if we're intelligent, we'll accept Krishna every time. If we don't, we accept Maya, then we're going to get kicked by Maya also. We're going to be deprived from the wonderful ecstasy, the wonderful love of Krishna. So we have to become so expert, so determined that whenever Maya comes with her idea, it's just like it's no things, no things. She may keep coming, but it doesn't matter. We're going, to, we're going to accept Krishna. How do we know what is Prabhupada's idea if you don't read his books? Their devotees in the movement five years, they never even read Prabhupada. Maybe read two or three books. How will we be able to carry on or serve Prabhupada's body if people don't know his body? We're hearing the books in class. We need to also study and understand Prabhupada's teachings thoroughly. So when Maya gives her idea, we can know that whether this is Krishna conscious or whether this is Prabhupada. Anyone who is a devotee, chanting sincerely, carrying out Prabhupada's instructions, reading his books, they'll be able to understand what is Prabhupada's mood, what is his desire, what are his instructions. When Maya offers some other instruction which is off the wall, which is the contradictory, we can recognize this is not Prabhupada, this is Maya. And if we're in confusion, we consult with the Guru or with the senior Vaishnavas, or with the older godmothers, godsisters, or someone, to clarify what is actually Prabhupada what, like we read yesterday, how it's so important to, you say that was a very important verse, that uh, always satisfying the Supreme Person I got by his constitutional activities. Now we, uh, we choose Krishna rather than the, uh, in mind. We take that austerity to choose Krishna. So, yesterday described so many practical activities, preaching, deity, worship, how to keep us engaged. We remain engaged in Krishna's service, then we actually become attached to Krishna. Like Amurish Maharaj, then we can be really, really be detached. We have to remain active in our devotional life to develop our attachment to attachment to Krishna. Doesn't just come like that. Unless we get some special mercy from the Guru or Krishna, some rare mercy might just give us special mercy. Normally it doesn't come just like that. That's a special Kripasiddhi. How many will get Kripasiddhi? We hope for that. But we're supposed to achieve the Sadhana Siddhi or try to achieve perfection by practicing devotion. It's not going to come normally. We can't just expect it that 
for sure we're just going to get it like an accident. We have to try for it. We can hope for a special dispensation. We have to try for the mercy. If we're not willing to try, we think that this somehow is just going to come to me, Krishna God. I don't have to engage in the daily service. I don't have to chant Hare Krishna regularly. I don't have to read Prabhupada's books. I don't have to engage in Sankirtan. I don't have to distribute the books. I don't have to attend the daily program. I don't have to get up in the morning. I don't have to, I'm just going to become Krishna conscious. How? Person's dreaming. One in, a, one in the trillions and billions might get some kind of mercy just by accident. <coughs> some pure devotee like Radha come out and the hunter and give And after getting the mercy, what do they do? He tells them to engage in all these activities. So we've already got the mercy. Everybody's attending class. They already have the mercy. They've already got the mercy of the Guru Parampara coming down. Now what's our duty? Like Megrari, once we got the mercy to engage in the activities. Megrari was a big hunter, right? After he, he, when he realized the animals were all coming and trying to eat him and everything, and he was going to get this karma, and he surrendered to Naradamuni, and Naradamuni initiated him, gave him the mala, gave him a tulasi plant, told him and his wife to chant, people would bring food, don't worry. He then said, now I have Naradamuni as a guru. I don't need to chant, I don't need to worship tulasi, I don't need to offer my prasadam. I've already got a guru, now I can just space out here. Or I can, now I can go out and hunt them. He had to follow the orders of the guru. He stopped hunting and he did exactly what the Radhamuni said. Devotees take, he'll fight devotees, take devotional service for granted. We should never take it for granted. We have to carry out the devotional activity. Like someone has uh, AIDS and there's no cure, someone finds the cure, right, here's the cure, you have to eat this, you have to do this, you have to take this medicine. So the person takes the cure, puts it in his box, you know, and goes to sleep on it. Even if there were a cure, you have to take it, you have to follow the system, then he can get cured. So we have the incurable disease of being in this material world, but Krishna, Chaitanya, Mahaprabhu, Prabhupada gave us the cure. We have to take the medicine. We have to read his books, we have to chant the holy name, we have to attend the temple programs, follow the regular principles, engage in devotional service 24 hours a day, and then we'll get cured. It's not different, it's yoga. We have to preach to other people to help them. If we do that, it will be successful. The Prabhupada said that the, the birds are flying in the sky, the lead bird can lead the way, but he can't fly for the other birds. Every bird has to fly himself. The Guru can show this is how to do it. He has to show by his own example. But every devotee has to fly the course. As soon as we compromise with Maya, that means we're just taking a rain check to achieving pure devotional service. Who knows what we'll be able to get achieved. And the longer we take our rain check, the more we get out of practice, the harder it is to start it. So Amrish Maharaj had a very simple policy, no compromise. He just wasn't, he just engaged regularly in his activities. He became so attached to Krishna that he became detached from his material things. We have to follow in the footsteps of these great souls and just be very determined to follow our devotional practices. Come what may. Come what may. And anything may come too. In this material world, you cannot say what's going to come. But just by a little progress in this life, we can be saved from the greatest dangers. By little progress, we can achieve that steadiness that we are hankering for. We can get the full mercy of Krishna. But initially, we have to take the steps forward. We can hope and pray to get that special mercy to be able to just immediately become attached to Krishna. Lord Chaitanya, if he wants, he can give that. He can other people can give that mercy. We hope for that. But to demonstrate our sincere desire, we continue doing the sadhana process. And even if we achieve attachment to Krishna, we still practice sadhana to show others and to protect ourselves, so not to engage in any other kind of activity which could deprive us from the jewel of attachment to Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Any questions? Prahlad Rasinga Das. Outside a few sincere souls. They maybe they want to take the Krishna conscious movement. But actually there's a million of people outside you know. I didn't say, did I say a few sincere souls? Maybe I don't express good in English. 
And now they come and sing in the choir. And after that, I look in everywhere for the Lord Hare Krishna. Couldn't find him for a while. Just by seeing that tilak, such a reaction. It's not a personal experience. The tilak is very powerful. You may not realize it. Many things you may not realize. But it, the soul can recognize these signs. We are all in this with Krishna at one time or another, whether millions of years ago or some higher planetary system where they were tilak. Somewhere we had association. Ultimately, they can, the soul can recognize this consent, depending on one's uh, previous birth or different things. It may even have a more, whatever, we don't know about the causes. For me, it had a very big effect. I don't know why. All I could see was the tila. Mm-hmm. Practically, knocking over. I saw a poster advertising the Rathyatra. On the bottom, it said you can go to the Hare Krishna temple and get the shadow for 20, get vegetarian meal for 25 cents. And then I said, oh, these are the people I was looking for. And I went to the temple in Brick Street in Prashara. They gave me a sire, they gave me easy journey on the planet to read, and I bought a set of bottles. Couldn't get anyone to take the 25 cents donation. <laughs> so I met one Gargamuni, he took it. <laughs> he sold me the set of bottles. I didn't, I didn't need the meal, I had money. So then I kept coming by. Reading the books, chanting in the park, and then Jainanda engaged me in building the Rath card with him, like I explained a couple of days ago. Yes, you said. And on the Rath day, I decided that I'm going to try this. I'd already read two, three of the books, chanted 32 rounds a day, <coughs> the first day. And then I decided to try it out for two months. I don't try it out all I know. So I told Jainanda he could shave me up. So on the Rath day, he shaved me up. So there was Madhavisa who had been like a visitor to the temple, he'd been coming for like a year, and he saw me coming out for a couple of weeks. And he saw me in the rock day right when he shaved up, you know, pulling the rock. He got so amazed, he said that after that, next day he came in after the rock and shaved up. <laughs> got inspired. Wow, he did it in two weeks, I've been here home for a year. He got inspired by the secret. <laughs> First or second day. Upendra gave me crawl, gave me these to chant on, said, Give them back to me, you can use these. They gave me the mantra. So I was already practicing yoga, you know, like sitting and doing yoga like this before, so I could sit for hours and hours and knew how to. So he gave me a mantra card and gave me beads. It turned out there were beads that crawl for the chant in Those days they weren't so, you know, kind of liberal. Mm-hmm. So I went out into the park and I just sat one whole day park for one grove where there was just no people and people was clearing. I just sat there and I was chanting, chanting for six hours non-stop. Certainly much more intense than yoga meditation. <laughs> oh, but the week after that, I flew to Canada, Montreal, to see Then I showed up in the temple, you know, shaved. About that time, there wasn't so many devotees, maybe only 30, 40 devotees of this kind, 50, I don't know how many. Not only three temples, San Francisco, New York, and uh, Montreal. I flew first to New York, I saw the 52nd, 2nd Avenue. Then flew up to Montreal because Prabhupada didn't have a visa for America. So he was there in Canada waiting for the devotees to sign a petition to get him a green card so he could come back to America. Prabhupada also had a green card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, when I came into the temple, I just sat down listening to Prabhupada's class at the end of the class. And Prabhupada said, Who is that? <laughs> and then it turned out that Gargamuni had was visiting from San Francisco, and he said, oh, he's, he's, uh, Dr. So-and-so, he came from San Francisco, and Prabhupada said, oh, tell him to come to have lunch with me tomorrow. <laughs> you can also come. Then later, Brahmananda appeared from New York, so then he also was invited. So I was sitting between Brahmananda, and I was a skinny guy in the <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they could really take a, Tremendous quantity of Prashadam. <laughs> Prabhupada kept saying, give him more, give him more. 
Then I asked, but at that time I had decided I had to go to India to find a guru, but then I met, came to the Krishna conscious movement, and then I remember I asked Prabhupada whether I should go to India. And then Prabhupada looked and he said, no, now you can stay here, and later you can go. And I just stayed there in Montreal. And Prabhupada was there. Last question? Mm-hmm. Hare. Hare. Hare.